0: Floyd on and he scores! He's today.
1: What's going on, you fine ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the latest episode of the Pod Street Bullies. My name is Derek.
0: And I am John. What's going on everybody? And as always, with are
2: for Nat Marlowe. Gentlemen, how about them coastal Carolina Chanta
0: Clears? <laughs> <laughs> I heard it was a doozy of a game. I mean, I didn't have it on because, you know, that channel where they show the little iPhone clips, I didn't get that one. Yeah, No, it was on the ESPN app. You should have been sure able was. to watch it there. Yeah, sure it was. I wasn't paying attention. Serious question, and Hoagie, I'm hoping you can help me out here because you're in New England. Oh, I guess we should introduce Hoagie before I get him involved <laughs> in this, huh? I think that might be a good idea. All right, so you want to do that so I can continue with my conversation? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. The man that has joined us multiple times and really needs no introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway. Mr. Matt Hoagland.
3: What's going on, everybody?
0: All right, Hoagie. What? Yes. <laughs> New England weather. Were you happened to watch the, the news of the Weather Channel where they were interviewing people because it was snowing and they just happened to be interviewing Jerome McGinla? <laughs>
3: I did not watch that show. I don't watch the news, but I did see that article, and I was like, come on. How do you miss that
0: one? uh, Right. I mean, it's so funny because they're just talking to him like it's me or you. It's like, what do you think of the snow? And he just played off, you know, oh, all right. You know, It's not like I'm a Hall of Famer or anything like that. I thought that was fantastic. (laughs) I still can't believe that happened. Yeah. Yeah. How do you not
1: recognize Jerome McGinley? It's just oh. it's Boston sports. That's why. <laughs>
0: Wasn't somebody it interviewing is. Adrian Peterson? They had no idea it was him. I ran into a problem with that too. They were somebody was interviewing me, and they had no idea who they were talking to either. That's really a travesty. Was, I know. Well, hopefully we'll be able to change that. All
1: right, guys. So the main thing we want to get to here is Hoagie's first ever piece for PodStreetBullies.com. We want to talk Travis Konechny and the piece that he wrote about his struggles in the playoffs. So right now I'm going to give you the floor, Hoagie. I want you to kind of give us the thought process behind the piece, what made you want to write it, and then what kind of went into writing that piece.
3: Sure. I uh, Travis Konechny kind of disappeared during the playoffs, and I felt like no one really touched on it from like the big writers in the game. And I just wanted to kind of dive in to see like what really happened to Travis Konechny, the team points leader during the regular season i know we had that big lull between covid shutdown to the playoffs but i figured you know he'd be able to come out and just dive right back into it and pick up right where he was and he just kind of disappeared for everybody john kind of gave me an idea of uh diving in to see what kind of players kind of did the same thing to him or had the same thing happen to him in their early careers and I uh, I kind of want to touch on uh, Brad Marchand. I just uh, Brad Marchand had a breakout career as a rookie with the Bruins when they won the Cup, and it was just I couldn't even touch him. So I went with uh, Parise and uh, Brandon Gallagher. Once I started digging into both those players, it was just like eye-opening to see how they've related from early careers to where they are now. And Travis, Knight, C- is he's still in early careers, and he's gonna. I feel like he's gonna pick up. To where those players are, are at now in their careers.
1: You bring up some interesting points with it too about how you know this really was his first taste of, if you want to argue, like a successful postseason run. Twenty eighteen, you brought up the uh, series against the Penguins. You know, we all knew the Flyers weren't going to make it past Pittsburgh. This year, you know, he comes into the playoffs as the Flyers' leading scorer during the regular season everybody's anxious to see how he's going to do. They're thinking that he could carry that success over even with the layoff. And he doesn't, you know, it's frustrating, obviously, as a fan. But, you know, going into this and writing this piece, how do you try to put that into perspective for people where it's like, connect me should have produced, connect me should have produced. Like, why didn't he produce? Like, how are you kind of grasping that and trying to explain that?
3: pretty much came down to inexperience um, as a player in in the NHL playoffs. Like you said, the Penguins, we weren't expected to pass the Penguins in those 2018 playoffs, and if we did, that'd be incredible. But um, I think it came down to being inexperienced and not having enough playoff. It, playoffs are a different monster for a player like that. And for him not to show up, it you, you definitely saw it because – typically the Flyers are getting their butts kicked and they take a lot
0: more penalties when they're getting their butts kicked during these playoff games. You know, Hoagie, another thing too I kind of wanted to ask you about. Do you feel like maybe he kind of got caught up in that pest mentality? You found more and more, right? Like all he was doing was just trying to get under the team's skin. Do you almost feel like he put too much emphasis on that and it could have taken away from somewhere else? Absolutely. I think he... uh, he
3: was trying to get more into his physical style of play and annoying everybody, but he wasn't focusing on his offensive production and playing his type of game. Yes, he was playing the annoying player type of game, but he, it was taking away too much from his offensive production.
2: The rattlesnake Great. in the background I mean, is killing me. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry,
1: guys. No, we all know the gif. You know, what, he made the face at Nick Letty, you know, the, yeah, the, yeah, the buck yeah, teeth right. and everything. Like, the the guy's a gift machine. It's great. But, you know, I'd like to see him turn into a little bit more of a goal machine, especially when it comes Absolutely. into the playoffs, you know? Yep. Um, but I like the – and what I guess I'll lead with saying this. I I like the comparisons between the players, and I'll let you get into that. What made you think of the two players that you compared to Connect Me this early in their careers?
3: Um pretty much just doing some investigation um you looked at i looked at uh connecting these player draft profile and was looking at players that they compared him to him to him when he was drafted and obviously parise gallagher and marsham were all, were three big name guys that they all compared to him they all have that gritty gritty play they're on the smaller side of uh, of the spectrum in height and weight and they all seem to produce when they're on their game and uh we all saw Brandon Gallagher in these past playoffs with the Canadians. He he was a thorn in our side the entire time until you know he got that stick up high by Matt Niskanen and had to lost a couple of games and some chicklets. So, um,
1: still thought he sold that weenie.
3: Oh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> so I mean, it all it all came down to that. Just comparing players that produce the same during the regular season and have the potential to produce during the
1: same. During the postseason, what do you think, John? I mean, you read this piece extensively, and I mean, you were the one that really told me, like, dude, you got to take a look at this. Because uh, without, you know, getting too all, you know, and too sentimental here, like, this was Matt's first piece here, right? And I'll tell you what, man, I was incredibly impressed. I, I loved it, I thought it was great. The depth that you went into with it was phenomenal. I mean, what's, I guess, do you have any more questions about this piece? Because I feel like we could
0: keep going with this. Well, I I, I think too, I want to actually jump back to the comparisons a little bit. When you look at Travis Konechny and you look at Parise and you look at Gallagher, do you see a similar kind of career projection? I mean, I guess Parise would be the bigger, the better example because he's older. But do you see, see him as kind of that Parise type player?
3: I, I absolutely do. I, I think Brieze had a, an outstanding career with the Devils. I've, he's definitely getting towards his retirement with the with the Wild. But I think if Konechny keeps trending the way he is into this fifth season, I think we'll see more and more production out of him as he gets more acclimated to regular season, re- regular line, line mates, And uh, definitely as soon as we get more playoffs into him, He'll be more uh, more productive.
0: And I actually have one more question, Derek. I'm sorry if you were going to say something. So, Connect me is an intense player. You'd agree with me on that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Why? So, when we think of the playoffs, we think of ramped up intensity, right? Why wouldn't he be able to translate the intensity that he brings to the regular season and the production he's able to see in the regular season and not just you would almost think it would be a smooth transition for a player like him
3: right i hate to do this but maybe it came down to having fans in the stands having that atmosphere from the wells fario center compared to in the bubble where you have nobody except for some chattered noise from the right. from the loudspeakers that he could feed off of the fans in the wells fario or the fans in a opposing team's stadium that's what it could boil down to for him
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, he's her, he certainly seems like the player that would benefit from that kind of energy. Right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Now, I think it's interesting, too, the way you look at these guys like Gallagher and Parise and then comparing them to Konechny. On one hand, you've got Konechny, who's the youngest out of the trio here that we're discussing. Then you've got Gallagher at 27, Parise at 36. So you can almost see, like, a career progression because – Parise, obviously being the oldest, he has 792 points in just over a thousand games. You've got Gallagher at 27 years old with 334 points in 547 games. Like, if this is the type of player that Me ends up being, you're looking at a consistent, you know, 40 to 50 point guy every year. This year would have obviously surpassed those expectations, but it, this is mainly just Gallagher's numbers that I'm looking at right now. Parise, he had his years. Like, this isn't a terrible trajectory for a guy like Konechny to be on, especially with the cap hit that comes along with him.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think we, uh, I think we definitely have a very we, we stole that that contract with uh, with Konechny, and for us to have him for that term is definitely gonna help us in the long run. Obviously, when if he keeps projecting those points every year, year in and year out, he's gonna be one of the big payday. Like he's going one of like a Drew or a Voracek type of payday. And at that point, if he's projecting, the, if he's producing those points, he deserves it at that point. Obviously, Brennan Gallagher just got a huge payday from the Canadians after the playoffs, and he obviously deserves it because he's been a huge point producer for
1: them. That, and he's got dental bills to pay.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> sure does. So what's your take on this, Nat? I mean, wh- what do you think about this piece? I know you've read it as well. Do you have any thoughts on this?
2: Well, I guess my biggest question regarding the piece is... Hoagie, when you were very reactionary fan base just Philadelphia fans, so when you listen no. to all these takes about Travis Konecki, how do you think we went from "Let's sign TK, let's do anything and everything we can to sign TK," and we have fans like pretty much adoring anything and everything he does, and then they get into the playoff bubble and you know doesn't produce for a little bit, and all of a sudden the fan base wants to turn on him. What's your reaction to that and? Do you think the fan base overall will come back to appreciating Konechny again?
3: The fan base is typical over exaggeration and we're Philadelphia we're Flyers fans, we're used to it like oh uh, he he does bad, get rid of him and then you know, he goes somewhere else just explodes and we regret it in the long run. I think we need to be patient with him and let him grow into a player. He's he's young, he's inexperienced, he's a little immature sometimes when it comes to his yeah, exactly. John, John <laughs> made the face. That's a good shirt. You got to make it
2: again now, John.
3: <laughs> there <Exactly. we> go. <laughs> There you go. Perfect.
1: Oh, That'll be his headshot. <laughs> I like it.
3: Once we he matures into people, a player, he'll be fine.
1: We went from people calling him their large adult son to people clamoring for him to be a part of a Lion A trade, you know, in a matter
0: of months. It's I a <laughs> yeah, Lion A
1: trade. I still, yeah, I still would. Do. I mean, I trade my daughter for
0: Patrick Liney, so <laughs> my actual daughter.
1: I- I'd think about it. Which one? It Which Sony. one? Both? I'd think <laughs>
0: about it. Well, today Reagan for sure. <laughs> oh no! Is it story time? <laughs> Varies by day, dude. So when you're a d- when you're a dad of two kids, you don't get much like peaceful time. So whenever you get like that ten minute shower, and I'm not saying that in any inappropriate way, but just like you're in the shower, you just a- enjoy it. I get a bang on the door. Daddy, I gotta go poo-poo! <laughs> Daddy, I gotta go poo-poo! I open up the door, let her in. I poo-pooed already. Oh Great. no. So, it uh, without getting into too much detail, it was like she pooped, but then realized she shouldn't have. So like, she didn't soil her pants, but her butt was disgusting looking. Uh, uh... So I've gotta to in towel, turn off the shower, clean her up, throw her in the shower. I'm like cleaning her off again just a towel on she's all upset do this whole thing freezing right cuz I again I'm not dressed my wife is just sitting there on her cell phone reading a what an article or whatever with the little baby in her head like I could kill you I could kill you <laughs> hey your wife, your wife works hard <laughs> I know but man oh,
1: you want to hear an even better story so Ooh, I'm going I'm going to there's you a better bet, one up you here.
0: better one.
1: Oh. Sit down, folks. Oh. Buckle up. We got a good one here. Sorry, so we're not, This weekend, isn't a
0: flyer podcast anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we're for story. Air the dirty last weekend.
1: Last weekend, we're hanging out in the morning, Our our child is starting to scoot around. Uh, Sully's starting to really move. So we have to keep an eye on him something that we aren't, you know, incredibly used to just yet. There we have a bookshelf. And so he climbs over to the bookshelf. I think I was in the bathroom doing what you were doing. And then my wife was out there, and all of a sudden I hear. Thump. Ah! And I'm thinking to myself, oh, Jesus. Come out. The kid's got a shiner on his forehead. Just, I mean, I'm just thinking to myself, oh, God. And my wife's like, he's concussed. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I'm like, he's fine. It's okay. He's looking around. He's crying. He's He's got the little, like, uh, uh, you know, the heavy breathing. And I'm like, he'll be all right. But, man, the shiner's still on his head. Like, wow. <laughs> I hate to say it's funny, but <laughs> it's <laughs> kind of funny. All right. Well, speaking of shiners, I feel like Konechny's dished out a couple of those in his tenure here with the Flyers. What else are we thinking about this piece? So I want to – I guess we could wrap this up here quick. With Konechny moving forward, he's finally got a decent taste of some playoff success. This was his second stint in the playoffs, obviously, the first one with the Penguins – against the Penguins, I should say. If we're going to assume that the Flyers are going to be a perennial playoff team, can we at least expect Connectney to start contributing here, from here on out, on I the goal, in the goal column, I should say.
3: <laughs> I think in the goal column or assist column, whatever, whatever it takes. I think he's going to be in the in the points column and and at least leading the team. I think he's the next young star to help this team get to that second round again and even further from there. I uh, I think you get him with the right line, line mates, at least with. Kevin Hayes, who knows who'll be on this, on the other side of that line. I think we'll be a very competitive team and with connecting, producing some points.
1: What's your take, John?
0: No, man. I mean, I think we've summed it all up. I think it, I don't know. I, I tend to agree with Matt on all this. and I think he did a fantastic job. Yeah, dude.
1: Really happy about the way that piece turned out. I absolutely loved it. That's a great idea. I hate you. the fact that it was beating my piece out in views for the week <laughs> for the most part. But uh, still, awesome stuff. Awesome, hey. awesome stuff. Nat, do you have anything to add, my man?
2: Yeah, I guess the only thing I can add to it is like mostly just go along with Hoagie's piece is, you know, let's all just be patient with Konechny. The guy has had three fantastic seasons out of his four-year tenure in the NHL, and it's obvious the kid's a stud, and we just need to see more of him come playoff time, and yeah, like his rhythm got interrupted because of the pandemic obviously that happened to a lot of athletes so let's be patient with this kid wait for everything to get back to normal and who knows maybe maybe great things can happen for connecting in the playoffs i say let's be patient we've been patient with him like throughout his career so far he had another tremendous season i have all the faith in the
0: world in him say woman take it slow it'll work itself out right all, right. All we need is just, just a little, little patience. patience. <laughs> I've been walking the streets at night, just trying to get it right. <laughs> I, that, that was my axle for you, Derek. <laughs> Derek
3: looks like you wants to kill
0: Derek is broken. Oh
1: I'm on the top floor. <laughs> the windows just a there. little patience. <laughs> Now, Hoagie, I have one final question before uh... we we get rid of you. <laughs> the Chris Cornell version of Patience or the Guns N' Roses version of Patience?
0: Oh, tough. Oh. I don't even know. <laughs> oh. It's got to well, be your homework then. G&R. Okay. Whatever you, you say. You got to
1: listen to both versions, and then you get back to us, all right?
0: All right. Do you not know the song, Hoagie? I don't. Oh, that was the cushion music, John! Come oh, on, man. John's pissed. Oh my god! <laughs>
3: what? <laughs> See you guys. <laughs>
2: well, that was a oh, no. uh, that was a nice episode with a
0: uh, Hoagie Fest. So uh, join us <laughs> again for another episode of Pastry Bullies. Derek, if you if you get up and walk away, it's harder for us to to get back in sync next time. Just pretend to do it, okay?
1: Oh, so you can just call me the glue guy then. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, you have your homework assignment for next week. Please, before we say our dues, let everybody know where they can find me, my man.
3: Uh, you guys can find me at uh, it's a brand new handle, Pod St. Hogs, H O A G S. I'm officially part of the Pod Street Bullies family, which I appreciate. uh, I'm looking forward to more content with you
1: guys, and uh, that's all i got for you guys. Nice. We're happy to have you on, man. Happy we could have you on the show today, and can't wait for more of those pieces. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later, buddy. Take it easy. Bye, hoax. All right. The Connect Me talk is done with, and I'm I'm still in shock that he's never heard
0: Patience before. How do you not know Patience? I listen to country music, too, but come on. That's
1: (laughs) not country music.
0: No, I know, but he, that was his excuse. Oh, oh, okay, to listen, okay. to country music. I walked I mean, away. That's okay. It's a pretty <laughs> iconic song, patience.
1: Right? Like I whistle that walking around the house all the time.
0: Right. Part of my high school Ooh. soundtrack.
1: Yeah. That Power. was that's a, that was Ron Hextall's favorite song. Little kid. <laughs> really? um, oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, to say the least.
0: Good God. <laughs>
1: He oh, would just walk
0: boy. into the locker room You know, they're like cramming for him to do, for. I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but they're trying to get him to do something At the trade deadline, and he just comes in into the guys, and he goes Yeah Just, just a little, little, little patience, patience. Rod! no <laughs> Yeah Just a oh, little boy. patience And then Hacksaw comes in I've been walking the streets and night I'm <laughs> just trying to get it right. It's I'm
1: definitely... imagining this right now, like the way it would go down. Like, I Wait I, I see no.
0: Wait I see no hand.
1: lies here. I could totally see it happening. All
0: right. Uh, it's all got, right It's just the acoustic version.
1: <laughs> X what, falls let's on the stool. <laughs> God damn. Can we get down to some real talk here for a
0: second? His hair just all of a sudden gets longer. As he's singing, it just starts to grow. Oh, <laughs> <I'm> great. <crying. laughs>
1: <laughs> this oh. is
0: why i drink <laughs> okay i'm done i think unless I, unless more comes and then you're not done anyways no
1: we <laughs> want to talk about the biggest thing going on with the nhl at this point we are supposed to be playing hockey one month from now by that i mean games should be back we should be in the midst of you know the start back to the season it's not looking good it is not looking good. They just started talking again. And from the sound of things, it's appearing that I don't even know, dude. I don't know.
0: <laughs> How do you like, not talk for days? That sounds like such a little teenage thing to do. Like, you know what? You're not going to agree with me? Then I'm not going to talk to you for four days. And this is going to go nowhere. I, but, to me, that just blows my mind. We're adults here you know, there's an issue. I get it. You're clearly on different sides, but this is a big thing that you need to solve. Not talking to each other is not going to solve anything. I I find that to be such a childish way of handling things.
1: Tell, tell that to my ex-girlfriend, um, my my mother, (laughs) but would you move your phone away from the microphone? Holy crap. Someone needs to move their phone away. Good I lord, I'm hearing
2: feedback. You hearing a thing? Hear yeah, I'm hearing a thing. Yeah, I, I was getting a lot of interference there.
1: Ooh, sounds like it's a John problem. Something's happening
2: on my cell phone. Uh, John's in trouble. No, well,
1: Ooh. Regardless, so we anyway, want to talk about patience. A couple, not patience. We're done with that BS. We want to talk about two separate tweets that came out this week, and the first one that I would like to reference here would be Alan Walsh. Because with the way things are going with these – I don't even want to call them negotiations because this is basically just the owner saying we want more money. Um, Alan Walsh tweeted out a thread earlier this week that really kind of got me and I'm thinking like this this isn't right. So he starts it off by saying the NHL is soft floating the idea with media if no deal with the NHLPA is reached on the return to play, it can unilaterally invoke – force majeure force majeure for people that don't know and i didn't know i'm not going to play smart here it is a provision commonly found in contracts that frees both parties from obligation if an extraordinary event prevents one or both parties from performing these events must be unforeseeable and unavoidable and not a result of the defendant's actions hence they are considered an act of god that is according to the legal information institute at law.cornell.edu making me sound a hell of a lot smarter than I actually am.
0: What exactly does that mean, Derek? Can you can you say that in non-lawyer terms for me?
1: Force majeure?
0: Yeah. That. I basically, mean, it sounds like something I ordered for dinner on Friday night.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a very fancy French dinner. I'll take that. majeure. Um, <laughs> but so force majeure basically is an act of God and it's a it's legal speak in a contract saying if something happens that could potentially unhinge and unravel the season coming up, it it doesn't necessarily, there's no fault. And there's really just, it frees people from the fault. You know, like, it's not my fault. It's not their fault. This it, It just happened, you know? So whatever the contract terms are, they don't need to be upheld because it frees everybody from obligation of their contract.
0: So real quick, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I just want to make sure that I understand this. So if the owners invoke the forces major, all of a sudden the – like the CBA no longer means anything? Is that what the whole deal is? Well, I'm glad you asked that actually because Alan – amongst
1: this thread, and I'm not going to get crazy into this, but he goes – I'm trying to find – in reality, if the NHL cancels the twenty to twenty-one season because the players won't give another three hundred million dollars in concessions, that is a lockout, which is expressly prohibited by the current CBA. And that was directly from Alan Walsh's Twitter account. Alan Walsh is actually, I believe he's an agent. He's a co-managing yeah. director, octagon yes. hockey sports agent, lawyer. He has lawyer in his bio. So yep. he the guy knows the wall.
3: Oh, for um,
1: sure. So right then and there it's cut and dry force majeure cannot be invoked it's a direct violation of the cba because it ends up being a lockout so we're at a stalemate here because the owners seem to think that this is okay and that they can do that meanwhile the players are being asked to give back more money you know and we talked about it last episode so we won't go crazy with it but $300 million is a lot of money, and these owners have a lot of money. Mm, (laughs) So is this greed on the owner's part? Is this them just trying to, for lack of a better term, save their own ass from losing more money? I I see both sides, but I do tend to agree one way as opposed to the other. What do you guys think?
0: Well – It is definitely a complicated answer, Derek. I mean, I think that there's everything. I mean, I think greed is certainly a part of it. Saving their own rear ends and their own, you know, legacies and the amount of money in their bank accounts has definitely got something to do with it. But at the same time, it just uh, leaves a bad taste in my mouth where it's when it's like, you know, we've agreed on this or, you know, we we thank you for everything you do to help make all the money that we have. And then we need you to give more. I just I just think like they should be the owners should kind of be the ones be like extending the olive branch and being like, we understand the tough position we're all in. We're able to do this right now because of the finances that we have. We're able to do this right now. Is there a way you'd be able to accept that or work with us? It seems like in a, it's it's taking the other way where the owners are like, all right, players, we need you to help us out.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, and we know how contentious this relationship is between the NHLPA and the owners. You know, the, the, these guys aren't buddies. Right. Um, and to me personally, I think this is just the owners portraying their greed, saying we need to protect our assets, which, again, I get, you know. But I posed this question last week. Like, Someone asks you to take – What let's say 60% of your annual salary like are you gonna want to do that? Of course not is it your fault that the owners aren't are gonna come up short like no, it's not your fault You're still showing up and doing your job. So you deserve what your contract states
0: that it that they owe you I have a question It's more regarding Gary Bettman and if either of you know this is he supposed to be a neutral party in this or no
1: I believe so I could be mistaken
0: Nah, do you know? Because he certainly talks as if he is one of the owners.
2: Off the top of my head, I don't know, but it's almost kind of like your role. Like, you kind of have to be a voice for the league. And the way I see it, when you're a voice for the league, you kind of have to represent the players, the teams, the owners. So, I think you're kind of obliged to be a neutral party. I don't know off the top of my head, but also – the NHL is a business in and of itself. Right. Each and every franchise is a business. Well, like the Flyers are a business. The the Boston Bruins are a business. The Anaheim Ducks are a business. You, so you have 30 different – I guess – like independent contractors wouldn't be the right word, but like side businesses would that be the right word under the same? There's like
1: a mother business that like you know oversees all the other ones. You yeah, know? it's like parent companies, things right. like that. The NHL would be the parent company to each team.
2: Exactly. Yeah, you're right because it's like uh, like how Amazon owns everything now. So it's right. like the NHL's Amazon, and then every one of these, uh, NHL teams are like the smaller businesses that are owned by Amazon. So They're
1: subsidiaries essentially.
2: Yeah. So. Gary Bettman, he's not the owner of the NHL. Like, he's the commissioner of the NHL. And he kind of has to be the leader of the pack here. And I think it's his responsibility to get both parties to come to an agreement. That's the way I see it. I don't know if uh, legally it's his responsibility. But from an ethical viewpoint, which, let's be real, man, isn't ethical, it, it, it is his responsibility.
0: Right. I mean, and I don't know if you guys saw those comments where he was referring to how the way that it goes with revenue is it's, like, split 50% between the players and ownership, and it was, like, we give them this, or that we need to... It was he was almost talking as if he was one of the owners. Like, it, it was clear that which side he was on, so I was curious, like, if he is technically on the owner side of things. Well, he definitely doesn't he, have the, the player's best interest at heart. No!
1: No, he's got this type of mentality. It seems that like when the players respond to this and say like, hell no, we won't concede this type of money. It's like, oh, dare you bite the hand that feeds you, you know, like that's not that's not a commissioner like Nat has put here like this guy should be overseeing all of this. He has a league to run. And if that league doesn't run, he won't be successful because we know how many times have we gone through a lockout with Gary Bettman at the helm of the league. Right. So this guy should be trying to really just facilitate the negotiations between both sides. And I'm not I shouldn't even call them negotiations because the CBA is for six years. Right. They literally signed it, what, four or five months ago? Yeah. This shouldn't even be happening right now. I I get unforeseen. I get the the times that we're in, but they signed this CBA during a time where there was evident and very vast talk about a second wave and the potential for that. So why can't you take that into account during these negotiations? Like, are you not listening to the scientists telling you like, I'm sure that the NHL has people that are are monitoring this, this situation. They should have been able to tell you this is probably what's going to happen in the next coming year in the next coming months. We should be able to, you know, work around this. We should be able to do this, do that. Yada, yada, yada. I don't know. But these things, I'm not even going to call them unforeseen because I feel like the people that are in charge that are looking at this should have seen this.
0: Right. I mean, and it's interesting, too, because if you think about Gary Bettman and kind of like his legacy and what you'll view him as when it's all said and done, you can't argue how great of a businessman this guy is. I mean, look what he's been able to do for the NHL from a business standpoint and where he's been able to kind of expand the league. So he seems like a really great business guy, but he's almost like that ruthless businessman who just doesn't give the humanity aspect any consideration whatsoever.
1: I mean, it's not a terrible thing, though, because if you're looking to place the NHL atop the list of major sports in North America, that's kind of how you have to do it, because the NHL's got a lot of ground to make up when it comes to the NFL, NBA, MLB, especially in, in the US.
0: Except there's Except okay. we except this league is always getting in the lockouts for that reason.
1: You're right. And we'll never the NHL's never going to be able to surpass any of those leagues if that keeps happening. No. Yeah.
2: Like now I wanna pose NBA.
1: this to you real quick. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I wanna pose this to you real quick. With force majeure, or or force majors...
0: Forces Johnson, major,
1: so, yes. Forces of major. Um, <laughs> it says that these events must be unforeseeable and unavoidable and not a result of the defendant's actions. So keep that in mind, not the result of the defendant's action. And I want to okay. explain this real quick. It's not a result of the owner's actions directly. But could you argue that they're ask from the player's of $300 million more in concessions caused the rift and that the actions of the owners basically reneging on the CBA, that's not necessarily an act of God. That's them just being greedy. So this force forces of major (laughs) really is the the fault of the owners.
0: Yeah, unless you ask the owners, right? I mean the the thing is with that though, like then you could be like – well, you—the know, players are being unreasonable for this and that. You know, it's just—it's such a mess,
1: man. Oh, yeah. damn!
0: <laughs> I just—I wonder how. First of all, I've got two. I wonder, house. One, I wonder how this wasn't ironed out already. I. I still have a really hard time with just not grasping the fact that while the playoffs were going on, they weren't planning for this and they weren't working with one another. Now, maybe they were. And if they were, they really sucked at it because they didn't make any progress in those months of time. So it's crazy that they are where they are right now when I feel like they should have like, okay, once we've got the bubble worked out, we're not going to sit down and watch the playoffs. We've got to start figuring this stuff out. The other thing that I wonder, I don't remember.
1: (laughs) I don't remember what the other one
0: was. (laughs) Oh no, I know what it was now. I wonder they've got to be able to hire some sort of like financier or economist to be like, like put together a plan and be like, this owners, this is what you need to contribute financially for the next such and such years. Players, this is what you need to be able to take, you know, to take a cut for, for the next few, few, few years to get the NHL to be where it was before the pandemic, like get somebody who's not connected to ownership or the player's side to almost construct a plan and be like, mathematically, this is what would make the most sense. And then it's like, okay, that person is not an owner. It's he's not a player. It's somebody from the outside telling you the best move. And then that's what you agree on. Like, is that a hard concept?
1: Now, to that point, I want to touch on this whole unforeseeable event. How unforeseeable was this? Because, again, I touched on this earlier, and I'm not going to go crazy with it, but, like, we kind of knew there was going to be a second wave, and we're just the general public. Right. There's obviously people with the NHL that know a hell of a lot more than we do. How could they have not seen this coming? Like that, that boggles my
0: mind. There's no way. Anybody who says that, I I don't buy. Mm-hmm. You know, what? I don't. Think, I don't think anybody anybody saw it to this extent. Like even when we talked about second wave, you know, when we mentioned it in June or whatever, I never thought we would be right back where we left off or worse in certain areas. But everybody knew that like we this wasn't just gonna go away. Of course.
1: It, this it's here. Like right. the the second wave is even worse than the first in some areas, like John said. So like, but with that talk, it's like why why not take that into account and try to negotiate initially with the CBA and say okay, if this second wave is as bad or worse than the first, this is how it's going to be. Uh, you know, this is what we need. This is what you guys need. Yada 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 this has to be accounted for i feel like
0: it it's almost like and i'm not accusing anybody of this but it's almost like the owners agreed to the cba knowing that they didn't necessarily need to honor it it was almost like all right you know what let's just agree to this now but if it doesn't work for our little plan come what month is it december november then we just we'll, we'll just pull the plug we'll just be like nah you know what we can't do this right now cuz of finances the way you just
1: described so then it is
2: right that now just the, is making my stomach churn right now. I it's making me disgusted.
1: Like that's hey. the owners taking advantage of the players. And that, that could the you players see it? should be smarter than that.
0: Right? But could you see it though them kind of being like, "Hey, you know what? At the end of the day, we don't we don't need to honor this."
1: Yeah. Of course, yeah, I could see it like that. I could totally see it too. It's it's terrible, but you know, I could definitely see it like that considering all the other negotiations that have taken place while Benton was commissioner. Right. These owners, I feel like, have gotten like the players give them an inch, and the owners take a mile. Right. It's been like that. I feel like for every negotiation, we talked about it with uh, with Mike Comito, I believe, with a yeah. uh, few uh, past lockouts and what's happened, and how the owners have just took and took and took and just not given anything back to these players. They they've conceded here and there. Right. But for the most part. It's been the owners saying, "We need this, we need that. This is what we're, this is what we need," and the the players are just like, "Whatever." You know, I feel like the players have to have to be fed up with this,
0: right? And you know what, man? Like, and I, I don't want to just keep going on and on about this, but if the NHL is the only major sports league that can't get their feet off the ground during all this, you know how embarrassing that looks. It's like getting beat up by a fifth grader when you're our age. Oh, I was gonna say. <laughs>
1: That's embarrassing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, though, like none of these plans that any of the leagues have put into place have been flawless. Like nothing you do in this world right now can be flawless unless you're willing to just like hide in the basement and have somebody just like slip pizza down the little slit every once in a while. That's and my dream. Sounds what... good. <laughs> <laughs> kind of my dream too. Compound. Um. Anyway, like none of these leagues, like none of what they're doing is flawless, but they're able to make it work in some way. They're showing that, you know, they're able to kind of continue things. Even when they're thrown obstacles, they understand that some of the games are going to be canceled and COVID is going to happen and whether or not they should be playing is a conversation for a completely different podcast. Cause I don't want to, but, uh, the fact that the NHL, I don't know. I was going to say, we can't even get the season going is insane to me.
1: To add to that, too, though, you think about the return to play when they resumed the playoffs and how the NHL was at the forefront of that amongst right. all North American major sports. Right. So you've got a team that was at the forefront of that, but now they can't figure it out. They peaked. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's really no better term to describe it. It's like, how, but how? Like, how does that happen when I'm sh- assuming the people that they had in place to get to the return to play are the same people that are trying to navigate these waters now. Right. What what's making this time so more so much more difficult, you know? That's confusing to me because the NBA seems to have it figured out. They're starting here in like 2 weeks, apparently.
0: I mean, the, the biggest thing is when we were, were talking about a return to play, it was the prospect of losing money on the owner's side. Now it's we've lost the, the reality. money. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, money money definitely talks. Yeah, um, Q, A, but C, D, C. Is that the All same right.
0: song? Yeah, it
1: is. All right. Yeah, listen to the money talk, baby. Anyways, later in that week, I guess it was a day later, on December 2nd, Frank Cervelli tweeted out a quote by Batman, and he says, quote, We have a very clear, important focus on getting through the 2021 season so that we can be positioned for the 2021-2022 season to get back to normalcy because all indications are that we can look at normalcy for the 21-22 season, end quote. So this, I feel, is like a loaded quote to me at least because getting through the 2021 season could mean just not having the season at all. It could mean anything. Exactly. It could mean we're just going to do it and figure it out as we go, or we're not going to do it at all. I I like the end result in getting back on track and having right. a normal 21-22 season. But he also mentioned, too, I should say, that they are not looking at this as trying to renegotiate the CBA, which I'm not sure if I buy that. But anyways, with this quote, at least, I'm starting to see... Bettman's loyalties and where they lie. Right. You know, I think as if we didn't know it before, he's definitely on the owners side
0: here. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and I'd be interested to find out truly like what his role is. Cause we've, we've talked about like what we think he should do, but I am wondering, you know, does he work for the owners? I really don't know, you know, cause then all that would make sense.
1: Yeah. This is, I mean, textbook, you know, right. this is, I'm sticking up for the owners because the owners need to make money. I get it. I understand. However, your employees need to make money as well. And those employees have contracts that state the owners owe them X amount of dollars. Right. I mean, and I said this before and I'll I'll state it now. I'm siding with the players here. How can you not?
0: Exactly. No, I know. You know, I agree with you. I mean, the thing is, is honestly, I I'm at the point where I just want everybody to get their SHIT together so we can have some hockey to be played yeah. you know and I, I think that we've already asked this question last week but more news has come out right with your forces major and such where looking at the COVID increase in certain places the fact that what is this parts of California just like you can't do contact sports now didn't San Francisco have to move to Arizona San Jose it would did. have to play somewhere else That on top of, so all the COVID crap on top of the issues that they're facing financially and all that, do you think this season is going to happen?
1: I have that gut feeling, man, that it just won't happen. I I hate it. I, I don't want that to happen. But I feel like between the ask for the concessions that the owners are posing and Everything just kind of – I feel like we haven't had a day where our totals for cases and all that stuff have been less than the day before. Um, Again, no expert on that. Right. Pair those two together though, I just – man, I have a bad feeling that this season isn't going to happen.
0: Right. It's almost like once they finally get this stuff together – Covid is going to just completely take over the conversation and be like, but now we've reached a spot where we can't do any of this stuff because of all these restrictions that have now been put into place. You and know,
2: even if this, even if they weren't going through all that crap already, like trying to like fight with the owners, trying to get like right. their fair portion, they would still have to go through that crap. So exactly. no matter what, at the end of the day, the players lose, and I feel. I feel so bad for everyone playing in the NHL right now because there is so much uncertainty with their futures and with their careers. This is, I mean, I get life isn't fair, but if you're an athlete right now, if you're an NHL player, you're probably at the top of the list on, like, how you're getting screwed right now.
1: Now, I'll pose this real quick. Are the owners dragging their feet with this and just kind of treading water because they know it might get worse? So that way there's no choice but to cancel the season.
0: I don't think canceling the season benefits anybody. No, it, it wouldn't.
1: No, but it could mitigate the losses that these owners would suffer if they did have a season where there were no fans whatsoever. It, it could.
0: Again, yeah, I'm not I don't know.
1: financial flow net here.
0: But. Although I do think that they're, you know, they're a bunch of shysters. I, I think that they do want to play. I think that they want the games to go on. They don't want it to cancel to cancel the season. So I just think that their view of what needs to happen before that is different than the players. But I don't think that there's any sort of, hey, if we do this, we could maybe get rid of this year and, and move on. I, I, I don't want to go that far.
1: Okay. Maybe it's just the the conspirator in me. Right. Um, (laughs) But no. Stop the count. Stop the count, yeah. Uh, um, Oh, boy. (laughs) Let's not get political with this. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) it's a perplexing situation, uh, to say the least, because on one hand, the owners want to not lose money, but on the other hand, the players want the money that they're owed. Again, I'll state it. I'll side with the players here. I have no qualms with that. Um, But, man... (sighs) For the betterment of this league as a whole, this season needs to happen in some capacity.
0: You're not going to get any argument
1: from me, brother. And to close this out, I would like to just quote Alan Walsh's last tweet as part of the aforementioned thread. He goes, if the NHL lawyers are advising owners they have a winning case here, I suggest they go back to law school. Owners (laughs) will be subjecting themselves to billions in potential damages if they falsely invoke force majeure. Or forces of major, as John is so eloquently put,
0: to cancel the season. End, End quote. <laughs> there you go. You know, I Alan, like the laughing, uh... Alan Walsh DM'd me on Twitter once. Oh yeah? out of here. Yeah, I'm not even kidding you. He DM'd me asking me if I was interested in, like, buying stock in some sort of company. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm not kidding. I mean, it could have been the, like a little bot took over his thing or whatever, but it, yeah, it was a full-blown DM. Have you heard of such and such company? I'm like, no, I haven't. He's like, what would you be interested in?
1: Like, this happened. I, I remember that a bunch of verified Twitter accounts were hacked, and they <laughs> sent out DMs to everybody. And I'm not just saying this to, like, quash your your, your 15 seconds of fame here. That's but- <laughs> right. I went for drinks
0: after, and that was real.
1: Okay. Yeah, just like you and uh, Barry Trotz hung out, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I did shake Barry Trot's hand and I underwater basket weave with Elaine Vigneault. What up?
1: Well, did you tell Trotz how pissed off you were at the result of the playoffs this year?
0: Well, this was beforehand. Didn't that did I ever tell you that story? No. I shook Barry Trot's hand. No, you got to go. You got to tell me that. He didn't wash it for a month. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was. <laughs> um we went out to dinner one Easter, I guess like two Easter's ago. And we went out this town called garden city. It's kind of like the hoity toity town in long Island in Nassau County. Um, and we walked out of the, the restaurant and there was like some sort of parade. And all of a sudden I just see this like stumpy little fellow who kind of looks like that troll under the bridge. And I'm like, (laughs) Holy crap, that's Barry trots. And I went over, I'm like, coach trots. How are you? And I shook his hand and he said, hi, how are you? And then I walked away. (laughs) riveting. I don't know. It's a good Last, story. I'm
1: sure I'm sure that was a very lasting impression on him. Oh, yeah, like that. those I mean, guys from Pot Street Bullies are a bunch right. of schmucks. Well, Derek,
2: <laughs> you met uh Bruce Boudreaux.
1: I did. I met the other soul under
0: the bridge. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he was actually one of the nicest people I've ever met. Like I, I got to do some morning live shots with the T V station that I used to work at, and I met him with the Hershey Bears, uh, because he used to coach the Bears. And the guy was awesome. I, I was like, Mr. Boudreaux, and he's like, He's like, don't, no, 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 I'm Bruce. And I'm like, cool, you know, I'm Bruce. I'm like, can I get a picture with you? And he's like, oh, sure. He pulled me in, put his arm around me, and I'm like, oh, my God, I love this guy. Like, he should coach the Flyers. But then AV came along, and I'm like, eh, sorry, Bruce. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
0: grandfatherly look to him, Bruce.
1: Just a very friendly guy, like a, a welcoming right. aura around him. Right, you know, like
0: whenever I, you went up to see him, he'd have a lollipop in his pocket for you. I mean, not in a
1: creepy way, though, no, but yeah, I get way. that.
0: Right. You I know guess, he's yeah, the yeah, you get to the gnome but... first
1: and then he gives you the lollipop as opposed to trying to draw you in with it right. at first.
0: <laughs> Derek, oh, do you, you want to pop off? Uh, yeah, I, I
1: could go for some pop off. Let's do that.
0: First one though, Derek and Nat, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to force major the rules a bit here. Okay. <laughs> do your thing. Because the first John's one forces a major here. I don't want it to be timed because I want us to all have a little input in the first one. All right. The timer's gone. No timer. The NHL general manager rankings. Derek, you can start, my friend.
1: When you put together a list of general manager or any type of position rankings, I typically take that as let's look at this past year that just happened and let's rank the players, the GMs, the coaches, whatever it may be, on their credentials from – their most recent performances. Right. When I read an article that bases it off of something that happened years before, I stop reading. These GM rankings were the latter of the two, where you had them giving reasons as to why Steve eiserman was right. a great GM, even though he was the Detroit GM of the uh, of this past year. Right. The worst but they're team like, in the league. Yeah, the worst team in the league. And then well, he built the lightning. Like, yeah, that's great. You know, different franchise. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Like you build it like, okay, Derek was great at PSN, but what's he done at Pod Street Bullies lately? Nothing. Hell if I know, you know. (laughs) I'm trying, but that doesn't necessarily mean I should be at the top of the list.
0: (laughs) Right. The second I saw Stevie Y's name second, I'm like, nah, I'm done. Uh, first of all, don't you think the GM, the number one GM at the end of the year for a ranking, should be the one that won the Stanley Cup?
1: Uh, yes and no.
0: Well, they're the one that did it.
1: Yeah, but if you've got a team like Boston who is supposed to be good, right. and let's say they did win the Stanley well, let's talk Brisbane, yeah. Tampa Bay. That's a team that Iserman built. And yes, Brisbane made some moves that made this team better. Right. But does he deserve to be GM of the year? No, I don't think so. I think you're looking at some of the teams that were bottom of the cellar last year. What did the GM do to improve them? And if they got higher in the rankings to the point where they were maybe in the, the, the finals of their conference, even the Stanley Cup finals, I'd put them over a guy that won the Stanley Cup 10 out of 10 times.
0: But couldn't you argue, though, in the case of Julian Breezeball, and this, this episode has the chance of going two hours, so I guess I don't want to go too much into this, but couldn't you argue in his case that he could have blew things up after last year's debacle and instead he you know he just made the right moves to take this team to the next level like to me that that's the gm right there like being how able are you gonna to find blow those... up a
1: team how are you gonna blow up a team that has Nikita <sighs> Kucherov, steven stamkos victor hedman and andre vasilevsky how are you blowing up a team that has some of the best players at their position though
0: oh you've like, never met a on. franchise that overreacts before and just trades away franchise players because they fair didn't point. quite get where they wanted. <laughs> you fair never, point. never followed one of those franchises before. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Can I, can I just award Ilya Brzgalov mean anything to you?
1: <laughs> no, it means nothing, nothing
0: to me. But so these <laughs> things were a joke to you, I assume. This ranking. Yeah. Nat, what do what you, do you think, say, man? buddy? So Nat brought this up. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So when
2: you make a, a GM list like that, it, or if you're making a ranking list, actually make it a ranking list because it wasn't so much a ranking list; it was just putting the GMs into different categories of of what process they're in as a GM right now, as opposed to an actual GM ranking. Make that clear at the start of right. your article, and that you would have. Stevie Y in the wrong category to begin with. So yeah, there were some points in the article which were eh, okay, some which were good, and then Stevie Y in the complete wrong category, you can throw it out, you can completely subscribe Form your own opinion, people, it's okay. Right. Well and if it's you
0: like, like Go ahead, I'm uh, sorry. Well, and it's like and NHL, could you just do what you wanna do and put Jim Rutherford as one, please? <laughs> like <laughs> come on, you know you want to, just do it. What is Rutherford doing, by the way? currently God knows i
1: don't know is what, what he's doing Ron couldn't do right like i mean like <laughs> so what in god's name is he doing <laughs> i don't know like
2: i think it, he's just going insane
1: if we circle back to the flyers real quick and if you'd like we can start the clock here okay let's that's do fair okay yeah. so if i'm just talking to chuck fletcher in his position he was legit middle of the pack but they took into account like i said before the previous seasons you had a team that had no expectations. We didn't know what to think. They could have been the worst. They could have been the best. And he turned them into one of the better teams in the league. Right. And they're like, no, we're going to put this guy in the middle of the pack. Let's. Ju- he hasn't done anything this, this season. But last season, what he did was he built a Stanley Cup contender, traded away some bad contracts, we got rid of Gudis. Yeah, we brought in Niskanen. Him retiring sucks. But at the same rate for that one season that this should have been judged upon, you brought him in.
2: Plus, I think should have For COVID reasons.
1: Exactly. Now, so don't like, interrupt do the pop off. <laughs> Ooh, slap on the wrist, number one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, you know, that's their list. That's their just rankings. Kidding, that's that. fine. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to sit here and say I could do their job better, but I probably could. But it's neither here nor there. So, next question.
0: All right. Uh, LSU
1: football. Trash. Good God, dude. They're bad. They were so good last year. They were national champs. And what happened? The guy that dropped the football before he gets to the end zone, and they still called it a touchdown. <laughs> How, like, wh- wh- what are you looking at? They reviewed it. They reviewed that play and called it a touchdown. That's yeah. embarrassing. That's more. That's almost more embarrassing than the owners asking for more money from the player. Almost.
0: Uh, Nat, do you think he went, sup, Deshaun? <laughs> all right jake voracek
1: dude the fact that he actually interacted with us on twitter i i have that much more respect for the guy i had a ton of respect for him beforehand but like he's a fun guy and for that reason alone i say we need to protect jake voracek at all costs
0: he's a mushroom <laughs> get it get it he's a mushroom fun (laughs) guy sting on AEW. dude i
1: grew up watching sting like in his prime when he could move around like a normal person can (laughs) i'm sure all the injuries and stuff has something to do with the fact that he can't anymore but just the aura around that man and yes my wrestling nerd is showing whatever i was Like my wife's sitting across the room from me and I'm watching this and I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) holy crap, he's on AEW. And my wife's like, what in the world did I get myself into when I married you? But like that's cool. I think that's awesome. I don't expect the guy to like wrestle every week, but whatever. Like the fact that he's still around and the fact that he's – it's Sting, man. Like come on. It's Sting. This is like the the Wayne Gretzky of wrestling.
0: Two more (laughs) and they should be quick ones. Sleeping while sitting up.
1: Dude, my child has perfected it. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how. I don't know how it's comfortable. Uh, I can't do it. Uh, I sure as hell can't do it. I, I'd be paying for it for days. Um, but kudos to him, man. Good for no, him. He's going to he wind up with like
0: spinal that, problems. I was... I the show kid's me that. In, I'm like Is he breathing?
1: The kid's in the 97th percentile for height. So... If this stunts his growth by three or four (laughs) inches, I'm sure he'll still be like 6'2", 6'3", so whatever. All right. Still tall enough to play in the NBA and make mom and dad a lot of money.
0: (laughs) All right, you ready? Last one.
1: All right, let's have fun with this one.
0: Untrained electric work.
1: So without disclosing who I work for, (laughs) I'm going to tell you a quick story, and let's just shut the timer off. (laughs) I've been asked to wire a sign and the signs like probably 200 yards from where i live so i took some lunch breaks that should have been 30 minutes and weren't uh, because i had to let the dog out but anyways they're asking us to wire this sign and i install vehicle graphics as in like wraps wrap jobs things like that signs that are typically not electric um nothing involved with getting shocked and potentially dying because I'm not certified. I didn't go to school for that. I didn't go to a vocational school. None of that. But apparently that doesn't mean anything to the guys that, you know, run the company that I work for. Um, they asked us to do this. And I not that I didn't want to do it, I would have loved to attempt it. But if that sign blows up, I don't want to be held accountable. I went back and told them flat out, I'm just like, this is I, I can't do it. I'm not comfortable. And if I don't do it, if I did do it and something happened, I'd feel terrible. Well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna hire an electrician. I'm like, oh, are you now? Like, that that sounds like a really good idea. I think that's something we should explore the next time we install a sign that has electric <laughs> involved, because I don't want to die. You know, I, quite do frankly, I just don't want to die. die. I don't. You know, I and. The guy that told me this was the guy whose account this was he was the salesman So he's like we're gonna hire an electrician just so we make sure it gets done that to me is sales speak for I want my commission check and I'm like can't blame you, bro. I get it I understand but maybe next time Plan that out from the beginning so that I don't have to go out there looking like I know what I'm doing and then having to explain to the person that purchased this sign, "Hey, sorry, we're not qualified to do electrical work."
0: Hey, Nat, we might have to step up our sponsorship game because Derek's about to get fired. Oh boy.
2: I can cut this out of the episode if you really want me to.
0: <laughs> nope.
1: I I do not care. Oh. Oh wow, he's at that I point in his career.
0: Cared. Oh wow. Yeah.
1: I haven't cared for quite some time The pop
0: is off. The pop has been so off. All right. That was fun.
1: That was a good one. I (laughs) I enjoyed that. I needed to get that off my chest. (laughs) Okay. Without further ado, John, please let the fine folks listening right now know where they can
0: find us. You can find us on all your various podcast listening receptacles, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Anchor You can tell it's starting to hurt. Um Radio Public iHeartRadio Radio Um Overdraft or whatever it's called.
1: Overcast.
0: Overcast. Overcast. Points for trying. Alright. And, and any other one. Oh, go ahead. Oh YouTube. One more
1: place. YouTube as well. But where else will people be able to find us?
0: Podstreetbullies.com, bitch. Yeah, that's right. I was waiting
1: for that. <laughs> Nat, you are next, my friend. Please let the fine folks listening know where they can find you.
2: So I'm producer at 97.5 The Fanatic, also the producer of the Sixers podcast, Full Court Press, part of the Post Street video team, with our man Lucas, who made some amazing video graphics for us. Thank oh. you, Lucas. Those things are pretty damn crispy. You're awesome. Pretty Ooh. crispy. Yeah. Can crispy. that
1: just die? God
2: yeah. No. Nope. I love
1: it. Nope. it alive. <laughs> well, while Giant's giving us the outro music here, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. You can find me on Twitter, PodstreetBob, John on Twitter, PodstreetGov. Nat hasn't changed it to PodstreetNat yet, which I'm a little bit ashamed of. But anyways, yeah, you can find two. Strike two. <laughs> Strike two. You get one more pal. <laughs> <You> pay me. <laughs> you miss 15 minutes of recess. But anyways... <laughs> Find us there. Folks, this has been the Pod Street Bullies, and I'll leave you as I was always left to you with a Let's Go Flyers.
0: Bye now. Goodbye.